Welcome to Exaltation. This is Father David Masterson bringing you the beautiful, the good, and the true. Our scripture today is Psalm 19. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament shows his handiwork. Day unto day utters speech, and night unto night reveals knowledge. There is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. Their sound has gone out through all the earth, and their words to the end of the world. In them he has set a tabernacle for the sun which is like a bridegroom coming out of his chamber and rejoices like a strong man to run its race. Its rising is from one end of the heaven and its circuit to the other end, and there is nothing hidden from its heat. The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, yes, than much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and the drippings of the honeycomb. Moreover, by them your servant is warned, and in keeping them there is great reward. Who can understand his errors? Cleanse me from secret faults. Keep back your servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Then I shall be blameless and I shall be innocent of great transgression. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my Redeemer. One of the nagging questions that enters the mind of every believer is, how can I know that God exists? How can I be sure that He is real? This morning we have the wonderful privilege of looking at Psalm 19. This monumental psalm answers the question, does God exist, in two beautifully crafted sections. The first six verses describe God revealed in the book of nature. The next eight verses describe God revealed in the book of Scripture. Let's look first at the book of nature. Verses 1 to 4 says, The heavens are telling of the glory of God, and the firmament declares the work of his hands. 
Day-to-day pours for speech, and night-to-night reveals knowledge. There is no speech, nor are there words. Their voice is not heard. Their sound has gone out through all the earth, and their utterances to the end of the world. What does the book of nature all around us declare? The existence and glory of God. There's a wonderful Latin phrase, Universus mundus est quam Deus explicatus. The whole world is nothing else but God expressed. Immanuel Kant, the philosopher, said, Two things fill the mind with ever new and increasing admiration and awe, the starry heavens above and the moral law within. Kant got it right. He's affirming the truth of Psalm 19. Aristotle, the philosopher, said, Should a man live underground for many years and then be brought up into the light of day, he would immediately pronounce the glories of the heaven and earth to be the works of God. During the French Revolution of 1789, Jean-André the atheist said to a believing peasant, We will tear down all your churches that you may no longer be reminded of your old beliefs in God. But the believing peasant replied, You cannot help leaving us the stars above. There is an eloquence of nature that directly overawes the mind and heart of man. Only a man who is spiritually dead and blind in his sins can fail to hear the majestic voice of nature crying out the glory of God. There is a fascinating parallelism in the first two verses. The heavens tell, the firmament declares, day to day pours forth, night to night reveals knowledge. Every moment God's existence, power, wisdom, and goodness are being declared. The verbs telling, declaring, pouring, and revealing are present participles, meaning ongoing continuous action in the present moment. When we go outside and look up at the skies, they are pouring forth speech every day, every night, continuously, all around the world. This is a communication without words, without verbal speech. It is more immediate. It comes home to the mind and heart with direct force and certainty. The heavens are the first voice of God's glory. The heavens speak of the beauty, the vastness, the creativity, and the majesty of God. Charles Spurgeon, the great preacher, said, How foolish and wicked are those who, instead of accepting the two sacred books and delighting to behold the same divine hand in each, spend their wits endeavoring to find discrepancies and contradictions. We may rest assured that the creation will never contradict Genesis, nor will a correct cosmos be found at variance with the narrative of Moses. He is wisest who reads both the world book, the book of nature, and the word book, the book of scripture, as two volumes of the same work, and feels concerning them, my father wrote them both. At our summer cabin in Upper State, New York, my favorite thing to do is to go out late at night and look up. 
there are no city lights to disturb the spectacular panorama that opens up. There in the heavens I see the unspeakable splendor and majesty of God. There is intelligence, design, color, wisdom, planning, and power. Abraham Heschel, the pious Jew, said, The stirring in our hearts when watching the star-studded sky is something no language can declare. It smites us with unquenchable amazement. This is why, dear friends, there is no neutrality with God. To ignore him in his book of creation is to defy him. Even indifference and blasphemy of God is active disregard for him. This is why St. Paul in Romans 1 says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness, because that which is known about God is evident within them, for God made it evident to them. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood through what has been made, so that they are without excuse. For even though they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks, but they became futile in their speculations and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools. You see, friends, there is no escaping God. We can tell something about God from the world he has made. And what is the message of the skies? The glory of God. God is beautiful in his perfections. God is awesome in his power. God is beyond comprehension in his wisdom and knowledge. The problem with man is that instead of looking up and out to see the glory of God, he looks within himself. He becomes self-centered. He looks to his ideas, his speculations, his theories, his discoveries, instead of joyfully receiving and gladly obeying the will of God. Instead of walking, looking up and out to God, he walks looking down and in to himself. This is the problem with rioters and looters in some of the world's major cities today. They are looking down and into themselves. They have no thought of God, of his creation, or of his commandments. And therein lies man's greatest dilemma, only the power of Jesus Christ can save man from himself. Only the resurrected Christ in the power of the Holy Spirit can free man from himself and lift him to the joy of obedience to God. Look at verse 4b. When we look up at the sky, what do we see? In them he has placed a tent for the sun, which is as a bridegroom coming out of his chamber. It rejoices as a strong man to run his course. Its rising is from one end of the heavens and its circuit to the other end of them, and there is nothing hidden from its heat. What is the sun, friends? The sun is a circuit-riding preacher. 
The sun travels its circuit and proclaims a message about the glory of God to everyone who has ever lived on the earth. The psalmist compares the setting of the sun as the sun entering into a tent or dwelling place. He compares the sun rising as a bridegroom leaving his chamber to seek his bride. Like the bridegroom the morning of his wedding day, so the sun rises with a freshness of a new day shining forth the message, God exists. He is wonderful beyond words. Rejoice in him, O peoples of the earth. One expositor even compares the sun shining in the skies to Jesus, the Son of God. He says Jesus, like the sun in the sky, tabernacles among men in all his brightness, rejoicing as the bridegroom of his church to reveal himself to men and like a champion to win unto himself the glory. He makes a circuit of mercy, blessing the remotest parts of the earth and there are no seeking souls who shall be denied the comforting warmth of his love. So this is the book of nature, which so beautifully reveals the person and character of God. Now we look at verse 7 to 14 to see the book of Scripture revealing God to us. One fascinating feature of these eight verses is that the sacred name of God, Yahweh, is listed seven times the number of perfection in the Bible. In the first six verses, only the least specific and most general name for God, El, is used to describe the Creator God. In general revelation, the Creator God is revealed in His glory and attributes, and we are without excuse to seek and know Him. But it is in special revelation, divine revelation through the law of God, that the personal God, Yahweh, Jehovah, is revealed to us for the needs of men. Verses 7 to 11 are loaded with truth for our illumination. Don't miss what is here. There are six descriptive titles of the scriptures, six qualities of these titles, and six effects or benefits for man. First, the law of the Lord is perfect, restoring the soul. Perfect means complete, whole, blameless, without fault, inerrant, flawless. The psalmist only had a small part of Holy Scripture in his day, the Torah, the first five books of Moses. We have the entire Word of God, both Old and New Testament, which is perfect in the fullness of its revelation, able to restore the soul back to God again. The Scriptures show us the nature and character of God and instruct us in the whole duty and purpose of man. We are told whom and how we are to worship and serve, and what we are to believe and practice for our eternal happiness. Always remember, friends, that the one great power to convert the soul back to God is the living Word of God itself. Not our thoughts about it, not our commentary upon it, but the Word of God itself. 
get people exposed to the word of God and the spirit of God will convict of sin and bring people to repentance and faith. This is why in our worship services, we have four portions of Holy Scripture read aloud at each service. This is by design so that the Spirit of God can take the living Word of God and transform our hearts as we hear and respond to it. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. God has spoken in the scriptures to tell us of our fall into sin and of our restoration out of sin. This testimony is clear and true and is to be accepted as sure. God's truth doesn't change with the times. It is certain, it is dependable, it is steadfast, it is reliable. The simple are the young and inexperienced, those liable to be easily swayed by others. This is why we give the word of God to our children, so that they can grow to become wise. This is the beauty of the word of God. We can never be deceived if we follow the scriptures. The voices from the secular world around us do deceive. They speak lies, they distort, they confuse, they disturb, they create anxiety. Not so the perfect and faithful word of God. God, through his holy word, never misleads or misguides his people. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. Because God's word is true, it shows us the right path of life. Because it is free from crookedness and error, it guides us into straight paths of righteousness and peace. And the result is joy in the heart. Walking in the grace of God brings heart joy because we have a sense of satisfaction that God has put us into the right way. Proverbs 3, 6 says, In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. I want to be on the straight path that leads to the king, not on the crooked and perverse path that leads to darkness. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The commandments of the Lord are completely free from error. No injustice, no deceit, no human calculations. This is not true of man's laws. The United States Supreme Court, as the highest ruling body in our nation, has committed serious blunders in their judgments because these are fallible men interpreting laws. Not so with God. God is perfect and his commandments are pure. They enlighten, they guide, they bring spiritual illumination. It is said that the wisdom of an old woman who has the Bible in her hands and Christ in her heart is an extraordinary fact. The trouble with educated folks is that they have educated themselves into imbecility and irrationality. They are too smart and it becomes their own downfall. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. Piety, or the fear of the Lord, cleanses our hearts from love of sin and makes us holy. 
Do you remember what we prayed in the collect for this Sunday? O Lord, who never failest to help and govern those whom thou dost bring up in thy steadfast fear and love, keep us, we beseech thee, under the protection of thy good providence, and make us to have a perpetual fear and love of thy holy name. We pray for the fear of the Lord, because that fear is clean and endures forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. There is compromise, insincerity, deception, lies, and half-truths in human conversation. Not so with God. His judgments are true and dependable, and they are the standard by which every man will be judged at the judgment seat of Christ in the last day. I don't care about being clever or modern or up-to-date. What I care about is, am I standing on the truth? Are my feet firmly in the right path? David said in Psalm 40, verse 2, God brought me out of the pit of destruction, out of the miry clay. He set my feet upon a rock, making my steps firm. Do you want a firm footing and a sure path in life? Turn away from the world and plant your feet on the true and righteous judgments of the Lord. God's word is true in its statements. It is right in its directions. It is everlasting in its duration. So here we have the great and holy law of Jehovah, our loving God. This law is first spoken and then written down for us in a book. And this law is perfect, sure, right, pure, clean, and true. That's why the psalmist says in verse 10, More desirable than gold, yes, than much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and the drippings of the honeycomb. God's word is a gold mine. It is a treasure beyond all description. Do we value it more than gold and delight in it more than honey? Verse 11, Moreover, by them thy servant is warned, and in keeping them there is great reward. The word of God provides warnings. Red light, stop. Yellow light, caution. Green light, go on ahead. Ezekiel 4.17 says, Son of man, I have appointed you a watchman to the house of Israel. Whenever you hear a word from my mouth, warn them from me. One commentator says, We are warned by the word both of our duty, our danger, and our remedy. There would be many more shipwrecks on the sea of life were it not for the divine storm signals giving a timely warning. As the psalmist considers all the blessings and benefits of the law of God, he expresses his desire for a life free from sin. The more we think on the perfect law of God, the more we will become convicted of our own sinfulness. He says, O Lord, your law is perfect and good and holy, and I am a wretched sinner who falls short of your righteous demands. But cleanse me, O God. Cleanse me. 
both of my secret sins which are hidden from me and which I cannot discern, and of presumptuous sins that I knowingly and intentionally commit. There is a difference between secret faults and presumptuous sins. Secret faults are sins that either our conscience hasn't been able to detect or sins that we consciously conceal from others. Both these types of sins lead to disaster. On the one hand, I have hidden defects of character and conduct, sins that I'm not aware of that I need the help of others to point out. On the other hand, there are sins I secretly conceal from everyone, even my spouse or closest friends. It is often these concealed sins that become strongholds reinforced by the devil that can lead a person into dark bondage. Here God rushes to our aid. He becomes our greatest friend and counselor. We cry, O oh God, the sins that you know about but that I don't know about, cleanse me from those sins. The sins I know I have committed, my presumptuous sins, I confess to you, cleanse me from these sins as well. In reality, we have very few sins that we can observe and detect compared to all those that are hidden from ourselves and unseen by others. We are masters at self-deception. Thank God there is cleansing in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ from every kind of sin. Thank God we can be made clean by the blood of our Lord Jesus Christ if we only ask, if we only confess and forsake. This precious psalm closes with the immortal sentence, Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my Redeemer. There is no more talk of avoiding sin or confessing unrighteousness. Now the only proper response is offering back to God the pure sacrifice of the heart. Friends, our hearts are the most precious thing God has created. The thoughts and words that come out of our hearts are our offering to God. Because God alone is the inspirer of right words and right thoughts, we must cry to him to make the words and thoughts of our hearts acceptable to him. The issue is, whom do we want to please? There's a saying, all wish to please. Some please themselves, some please men, some seek to please God. The hymn writer says, oh, for a heart to praise my God a heart from sin set free, a heart that's sprinkled with the blood so freely shed for me, a heart in every thought renewed and full of love divine, perfect and right and pure and good, a copy, Lord, of thine. Let's pray together. Glorious and majestic God and Father, graciously fulfill the promise of Psalm 19 in our hearts this day. Cleanse us from every sin. Let the words of our mouths and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. 
For of him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory both now and forevermore. Amen. You've been listening to the program Exaltation. I'm Father David Masterson with Godet Ministries. You may reach us on the web at godetministries.org. That's G-A-U-D-E-T-E ministries.org. This gospel outreach is entirely listener-supported. Please help us proclaim the gospel on the radio to a needy world. You may donate online at our website. Your gift, large or small, is gratefully appreciated. Until next time, may God richly bless you with this word of encouragement from the prophet Isaiah. Do you not know? Have you not heard? The everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, does not become weary or tired. His understanding is inscrutable. He gives strength to the weary, and to him who lacks might, he increases power. Though youths grow weary and tired, and vigorous young men stumble badly. Yet those who wait for the Lord will gain new strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and not get tired. They will walk and not faint.